Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, Jay Gilbert's joining me. How you doing today, Jay? Great, Michael. Thanks. So, for the sake of time, let's just jump right into, we've got a special guest joining us this week. Why don't you take the honors and introduce him? Yeah, I, I first became aware of Sharky. I, I read an article he wrote, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment, about streaming, which is something that uh, we've been talking about quite a bit lately. But Not just then, us, a few other people talk about yeah, it. Yeah, a few people within the industry. And uh, as I kind of uh, checked into, you know, kind of asking him if he'd like to have a conversation with us, you know, I, I found his, uh, his band, um, Creeper Lagoon, and I was pleasantly surprised. I, I thought it was really good. Um, what was the, the Take Back the Universe was one that I, I was listening to in its entirety. And uh, I would encourage those who are watching and listening to, to check out the band. I think it's really good. The other part is, is it pronounced, um, Sharky, is it Bandago? Bandigo. Bandigo. And uh, he has another company I'll let him touch on, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but uh, welcome to our uh, podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sharky. Thanks for having me, guys. So, so let's, let's jump right in. We, we, don't, we, we could talk about this for hours, but we don't have hours. You wrote a really interesting article. I think you posted on Medium, if I, if I recall. And uh, it just talked about streaming. It talked about what you would propose for sort of a change in the pay, payment, the payouts, what... what what a streaming service should be paying out or could be paying out that might be a better benefit to the artists. Um, why don't you give us, if you can, sort of like the two-minute, three-minute encapsulation <laughs> of just, I mean, I think we, we, we know the payouts right now right. are just, everyone's screaming about it. So I don't think we need to get into that it's not ideal. Why don't you give us the two, three-minute as to what you would propose, and then we'll discuss that. Well, I think before you can talk about what I propose, you have to talk about what it actually is right now. And um, where I'm coming from in this, and I'm glad you brought this up, everybody does scream about how much uh, the payouts are, or rather how little uh, they are. And that's not really my focus. Uh, I'm not really uh, uh, zeroing in here on whether it should be more. Um, rather, I'm focusing on how the pie is actually divided. And in my view, the way the pie is currently divided, it's inequitable. Uh, you know, if you could imagine a bunch of uh, chefs all cooking a pie, and uh, uh, one guy puts up 80% of the work, uh, and they give him a tiny sliver, and uh, another guy puts up 1% uh, uh, of the work and he gets 90% of the pie. That doesn't seem right, and yet that's precisely what's happening right now. So uh, what the, the music services are doing right now is they're using a model. Uh, internally, it's called pro rata. Uh, I use a, a, a kind of easier term to use, less Latin, called big pool. Uh, and basically, it's, it's pretty simple. They, they take all the money, they put it in one big pool, and then they take all the clicks, and they put that in another big pool. They divide all the money by all the clicks, and they get a price per click. And that price has been fairly consistently uh, ups and downs, but it's been hovering around uh, three quarters of a penny. 
So every time somebody streams something, the artist gets paid three quarters of a penny. If you want more money, uh, you need to get more clicks. This seems fairly straightforward and fair and, and, and makes sense on, on, on the surface level. But the problem is, is when you focus exclusively on clicks, you start to develop distortions uh, at, the, uh, at the extremes. So one of the distortions is, uh, say for example, you have somebody with 10,000 fans uh, who are all uh, fully gainfully employed. Uh, uh, you know, they, they all work jobs. Maybe they're delivering pizzas. You know, maybe they're running companies, but they're busy. So they only have time to listen to this artist about once a month. But they have 10,000 fans, and those 10,000 fans are paying 10 bucks each, which is $100,000 of revenue, and uh, uh, 100, or is it a million? Help me here. 10,000 10, 10, 10, by 10 would be 100,000. 100,000, okay. Sometimes I get lost in the zeros. So you have $100,000 of revenue being generated by 10,000 fans. Now along comes another artist. They have one fan, but the one fan clicks 10,001 times. That artist will get more money than the first artist. They have 9,999 less fans, but they're going to be paid more money because they have more clicks. So that seems wrong. I think anybody, any musician, would rather have 10,000 fans who click once than one person who clicks 10,000 times. I, you know, came up in the music industry, you know, from the trenches, and at every step, uh, the question is always the same. What's your draw? How many people can you bring in the door? That's what's important in music. Not, you know, how many times did they listen to your record? Nobody cares how often they listen to your record. They can listen to it 10,000 times. They can listen to it five times all year. Are they willing to put their money down and buy a ticket and enter in through the door? The music industry has always said the person is what's the most important thing. And what streaming is saying is it's not the person, it's the click that we really care about. Which would make sense if they made money off of clicks. But they don't. They don't get more money from one person clicking 10,000 times than somebody who clicks 10, 10 times. They, each user pays exactly the same. Uh, so the industry is basically incentivizing getting clicks over getting fans. And it's a problem, uh, you know, for the services. It's a problem for the labels. It's a problem for the musicians. It's a problem for the entire ecosystem, from my perspective. It's, it's a mathematical flaw. Right. And the, the secondary part to this is first rule of economics, right, which is, uh, uh, I think, uh, MANQ uh, listed as number four. If you want more of something, you create an economic reward for it. And then people will do it. Uh, incentives matter. Uh, it, it's, it's what motiva motivates us to do things. So we're incentivizing clicks. We're not incentivizing fans. So, shocker, we get more clicks. But we also introduce a new element here, which is that if there's money in getting clicks, then you can fraudulently boost your click level. So you have folks now, you can go on Fiverr.com. You can do this right now. Go on Fiverr.com. Yeah, type, 
type in Spotify. Yeah. Uh, you can pay uh, somebody forty dollars to get get you. Uh, I think like forty thousand clicks, right? Right. And you can actually make money. You can be you. You don't even need to have any fans. You just need to have. You could put up. Uh, you could download some MIDI files, uh, uh, generate some uh, bogus noise, upload that to. Uh, uh, and didn't you do that? Didn't you do a little experiment? Wasn't it you that did the little <laughs> silence? Uh, yeah, well, we'll get to that in a minute, okay. but, uh, right. uh, I didn't know, but others have, uh, and they've bragged about it. Um, okay. I, I, I can't, can't I personally can't just find my, find it in myself to do it, even as a, uh, 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 as a demonstration. But, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, you know, there was a band, Wolfpack, they uploaded an album of silence. Right. And each track was 31 seconds long. And they told, they said to their fans, "We want you to put this album before you go before you go to bed. Just put it on and put it on repeat." And they made twenty thousand dollars off of silence uh, before Spotify eventually was like, "Whoa, wait a second! Right. You're exposing the you know <laughs> the flaw yeah. in our system here. This isn't good." Uh, because these guys haven't even made any music, which, you know, look, I'm a John Cage fan. I can get behind, you know, uh, sort of the artistic value of, you know, having a, a, a piece of silence. But, uh, you know, what I think people don't understand is, is when these guys do this, when they, when they upload pure junk and scam the system uh, via click fraud, what that does is effectively it lowers the payout rate for everybody. So uh, when you put all the clicks in one pool and all the streams, or I'm sorry, all the revenue in another pool, if the revenue doesn't change, but the clicks increase, then the price per stream will go down. So every element of fraud is, is basically they're stealing from the entire music industry. But, but uh, let, let me just throw this out here. I mean, yes, this is how it's happening in streaming, but let's be honest here. Fraud like that has existed in the music business since day one. I mean, let, let's, oh, let, no, let, I, let's I, talk I, about how record labels game sound scan and everything else that's out there. Let's talk about, you know, payola. I mean, you know, when where there's revenue associated to anything, and not even in the music industry, let's just be honest. When there's revenue associated to anything, some business, some in, somebody who's inventive is going to figure out a way to game it, and that will never stop, and that will never change. I I, I don't disagree that there's been fraud endemic in the industry, uh, you know, from the beginning of time, and there will continue to be fraud endemic in the industry. Um, I, I I agree with you. I disagree with you that uh, this is in any way similar. If a record label, for instance, uh, you know, let's just take, I don't know, uh, payola as an example, right? So they do some payola, they get some extra plays on the radio station, uh, they boost their level, they boost their chart level, they boost their sales, uh, and, and meanwhile the artist that's trying to get on that radio station that has good track can't get on it. That's fine. But if I'm an indie band and, I'm, and, and I have my album in the record store and somebody buys that record, I still get all the, you know, all the, the revenue from that record. The fraud on, 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 uh, that somebody else is doing somewhere else in the industry 
has no impact on me and my sales. The only way I lose is if somebody comes and shoplifts my record, right? I'm, t I'm, I'm sort of comparing the physical universe the way it was before. So what we have right now is, is different in that the fraud that's happening, it's literally like they're shoplifting out of the pockets of every musician in the system. All of our payments, everybody's payments is going down every time there's a fraud. You know, it's, it's yeah. uh, at this scale, it's, it's uh, fairly uh, incremental and it can be hard to detect on an individual basis, but you, you add it all up and, and uh, it can have a fairly significant impact. Yeah, let me ask a question just really quickly about, you know, we're talking about what the subscription services want, obviously, is paid subscribers every month. But, as you know, there's a couple of other revenue sources, whether it's those folks, you know, who are on there free, and there's revenue being generated from advertising, right? That's one way. Another way is when these major strike deals and indies with these uh, subscription services, they sometimes get a stake in the company. They right. sometimes benefit that way. There's this other revenue that's coming in. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that's accounted for and paid out uh, as opposed to what you've described with the subscription, the $10 a month model? I tell you what, let's, let's, um, let's put a pin in that for just a moment. Because uh, I, I want to talk about that. That opens up a whole new conversation topic, and I think we we're still trying to, you know, lay out like how we're doing things now and how I'm proposing and how it'd be different. Um, but okay, you know, I can I, I we can double back on that. And, and but let's also make sure everybody understands. So of that pool, when that money comes in, um, as you stated, Spotify takes thirty percent off the top. That that That's goes right. into their pocket. The That's question right. has always been. Where's the other 70% going? And no one's really answering that. We know it's not going to Spotify. We know it's not going to the artists. Right. And, and, and to me, that is the big hole that has no transparency to it. Somebody's got a pocket somewhere that's taking a, that chunk. Well, and is that the rights holders? Is that just the, the labels that... Well, you know, look, basically what's, what's happening is 70% goes to the rights holders, right? But this is calculated on a per-click basis. So let's imagine you have an artist like Calvin Harris, right? Uh, and you are, are, are one of the most popular artists on uh, Spotify. And because you're so popular and your music is so well-known, you get a lot of what, uh, you know, we might call passive listening or lean-back listening. Uh, so it's just playing in the background while people are, are doing other things. So you, you walk into an office uh, and there might be his music might be, play, be playing in the background. You walk into a hair salon, uh, they might be streaming it. Um, technically, they're supposed to be paying, uh, uh, you know, uh, PROs for this stuff, right. but they ASCAP, don't. ASCAP, BMI. Yeah, no, uh, they, they don't. Uh, the compliance but, is... But, the, but, but let's be fair. That's not the streaming services problem. No, 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 no. Yeah, you, you, you got to go talk to the PROs who are not collecting that. But hopefully, yeah. they're at least paying the ten dollar a month and you know playing those playlists and racking up clicks. Right, but 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 here's the problem. Um, you know, it, the three of us here. You know, I can. You got a guitar in the background. Uh, you got uh, you know a, a stack of vinyl records in the background. I have you know music equipment everywhere. Right, so. Uh, you know, we're, we're serious music listeners, right? And, and we care about music. 
How much do we listen to music? I'm, you know, most days I don't have time to listen to more than, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of days I don't listen to music at all, right? But Spotify says the average listener is listening to uh, uh, 148 minutes per day. Now, is that skewed by people who are at work listening to it all day or like the beauty salon that you use yeah. as, an, as an example? Well, yeah, yeah, but, you know, that's what average is. Average well, balances out the highs and the lows and throws you into the middle somewhere. But, but uh, you know, that's, that's the problem with using a uh, mathematical description uh, of average when you're dealing with uh, – uh, the word for this is uh, heterogeneous. Uh, it's a very diverse group, right? So we're using average. And, and I, I can illustrate for you the problem with average, uh, using that as, as a, a way to sort of differentiate. Uh, imagine there's 100 of us in a room. And uh, it's, it's an exceptional group of 100 people. Uh, the, the, the person in the room making the least amount of money per year is, makes a million dollars a year. The next highest person is two million a year. The next highest is three and so on. And finally, you get to person 100. They make $100 million a year. So the average is 50 million, right? And that seems about right. Half are below, half are above, right? Now, let's imagine Bill Gates walks into the room. Bill Gates is worth about $72.5 billion. So now, the new average of the room is $720 million. So now everybody in the room but Bill Gates is now below average. 99% of the people are below average. This is the impact that outliers have on averages. So when Spotify talks about uh, the average user streaming 1,100 times a month, that doesn't mean... Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, the, but, but you know, the, I mean, does that... Does that is that anything more than just them providing some marketing data for a press release? I mean, and, 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 and every, that, every, everybody throws out averages in every business, and I think anybody would look at it and go, yeah, it's it's average. There's clearly going to be a lot of people skewing it one way or another, but it's average. It, it I look at it kind of like the model that you see with your local uh, workout club, your gym, where they've got 3,000 people who join, and really there's, you know, there's 100 people that go regularly, but everybody's paying you know, their monthly fee. And I think subscription services, it's a lot like that too. There are people like me who, you know, I stream constantly. You know, it's on every day. I would say that probably a few hours every day, whether that's active really listening or whether it's in the background while I'm working or whatever. And then I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, have a subscription service and they're paying their $10 and maybe they didn't get to it this month. Right. And the thing is, is what we're saying all right, so in a gym, let's use that as an example, right? So the gym doesn't pay the employees based on how many, you know, uh, how heavy the, the, the gym people came in. Uh, the gym owners uh, are not paid based on how many heavy versus light users they have, right? Uh, to, to, to a gym owner, every user is the same. And, you know, the gym analogy is used a lot because that's sort of a subscription and, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, 
a good example of a subscription model. The other one they, they, uh, people like to use is the all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, but they both tend to break down because ultimately there's no cost to provide more music. Uh, or it's very marginal cost. Sure. Uh, whereas having to have real estate and equipment or serve food, there's a cost associated with all this stuff. So, you know, this is really about how do we divide the pie? Uh, and to uh, uh, go back to what you were saying, Michael, uh, you know, the, 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 what I can tell you with, uh, with a fair degree of certainty is I, I'm going to put it at 99.9% is that most people are below average in terms of streaming usage. Most people do not stream at the average level. Most people are below average, just like in a room full of uh, 100 millionaires, most people are below average once Bill Gates walks in the room. And the reason why is because the upper end of streaming usage is around 83,000 streams per month. If you stream 31 second chunks continuously, one after another, you'll, you'll reach a number of about 83,000. But what I have heard from talking to many people in, in the industry uh, is that the typical user is streaming around 300 to 400 streams per month, which is about a third of that average. So what that, uh, and, and it makes sense. If you think about, uh, you know, if you put the number of uh, streams, somebody streams on your uh, x-axis and the number of users on the y-axis, you're going to get something that looks like a lo uh, what they call a log normal curve. All right. And so what it is, is there'll be uh, a, a few people that stream zero because they just didn't have time. But there won't be a lot because if they continuously stream zero, they'll just stop subscribing. Why would I pay $10 a month for something I never use? Right. But uh, you'll have some people to, that'll stream zero. And then you'll get this huge, very rapid climb upwards. Uh, and, and you'll, you'll get uh, to the typical fairly quickly, which is about 300 to 400. And then you'll get this long, slow decay, right? And your, uh, uh, your, your average is going to be around here, right? And most users are not here. This is going to be a very small minority of users. And then it's going to keep going on and on and out uh, in a, a very long tail. And that tail is going to end up at you know, 30,000, 40,000, 80,000 streams a month. And obviously at 80,000 streams a month, that's pure fraud, right? Nobody's actually listening to music in 31 second chunks. I think that's probably not the ceiling because the services are probably shutting that down. That's obviously fraud. But there is going to be a gray area. And that gray area is going to be between 10 and 20,000 streams a month, where it's unclear if it's fraud. I've gone, uh, you know, just trolling through, uh, you guys know about last.fm and they're sure. scrobbling, right? So I've gone trolling through just to see, you know, who are some of the uh, heavy users out there, right? And you could do a Google search for it, heavy users on, on scrobbling, last.fm. And there's folks out there who are doing 500,000 tracks in a year. Now, you know, this could just be on iTunes, uh, but you start looking through their playlists. I found one playlist. It was all fat records. 100%. That's what they were doing. 500,000 tracks in a year, and it was all fat records. Now, it could have just been a radio station that was just playing fat records stuff. Yeah. But 
there's nothing to say that it couldn't have been, uh, you know, uh, Spotify or Rhapsody or, uh, you know, uh, stream, pick your streaming service. And if that's the case, they're getting 500,000 tracks while typical users doing uh, uh, 300 a month, you know, we're talking like 3,500, 4,000 tracks a year. Well, well, you know what? So let's, let's get back to talking about the payout and what it should be, because what I feel like we're talking about now is a whole different topic. It's if there's fraud happening, which there probably is, that that's a whole different discussion. How do you detect fraud? How do you shut down fraud? And 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 I'm sure that all the services are dealing with that. But you know, let's get back to the payments. Let's get back yeah. to you know well, the, well, the, the the current model and and your proposed model. Yeah. So uh, you know what I'm proposing, uh, and and I want to be clear here. This this isn't. Uh, you know, it was something I kind of thought of on my own, but I'm definitely not the first to have thought of it. Uh, and in fact, there's people that have studied this. But it's really, really simple. Uh, if you listen to somebody 100% of the time, then that somebody gets 100% of your $7. If you listen to them 25% of the time, then that somebody gets 25% of your $7, which would be $1.75, right? So, uh, you know, if I listen to Alt-J 100% of the time, Alt-J will get, you know, my seven bucks minus, you know, we're kind of skipping over some of the, the more complex aspects of payouts, which is the uh, uh, performance rights, or uh, I'm sorry, the- uh, uh, Publishing? The, the mechanicals, uh, the publishing, which is about 10%. Let's just gloss over that for now because it needlessly complicates the matter because you can't really uh, unpack that into the subscriber share model because it's uh, some of it is statutory and we have to work with the laws as it is. But it, at a broad level, this is still true. Uh, right now, if a band like Alt J gets uh, uh, twenty-five percent of a user's plays, and that user is a typical user doing about uh, 300 streams a month, then that means they're getting about, uh, uh, what is that, uh, 75 plays, right, from Alt-J. Uh, so little uh, calculator here will tell you that $75 or 75 plays times the .007, they're going to get 52 cents. But if that same 25% of the plays they were, you know, actually getting what they were entitled to. They'd be getting a dollar seventy-five, which is, is a dramatic difference on an individual user level. And so, what's happening? This isn't really about the major artists because, uh, you know, there's there's been uh, studies that took actual data from uh, WIMP, which is now called Tidal, uh, but previously it was WIMP, and it was in Denmark, and and there was some uh, researchers. Uh, WIMP made some anonymized data available to researchers to study this question. So there's two researchers. One was Arndt Masso. Uh, the other was uh, Rex Rasmus Peterson, uh, both uh, uh, in Denmark. And they looked at this data and uh, they said, well, if we change it to this uh, user-centric model uh, or what I call subscriber share, uh, you know, what happens now? What, who wins? Who loses? And Intriguingly, uh, on a broad macro level, not much changes, uh, which sort of blows your mind at first. You're like, well, then what's the point of changing? 
you know, the major labels still get most of the money. The indie labels still get roughly the same amount they got before. Popular artists still get most of the money. Less popular artists continue to not get as much of the money. Uh, but when you look at it at the individual artist level, there's a lot of change. Some people see over a thousand percent increase in income. Other people see 20% of what they were had before. And so what's happening right now is it's basically a wealth transfer. It's from artists with fans who happen to be below average to artists with fans who may or may not even be fans who are above average. Uh, And when I say may or may not even be fans, there's tremendous economic incentive here to, you know, put your fingers on the scale. If you are a a small individual artist and you engage in click fraud, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, you have one person clicking on your uh, act all the time, you're going to potentially find yourself banned. But if somebody listens to Calvin Harris 24 hours a day, is Calvin Harris going to get banned? No. So there's like uh, uh, some opportunity here uh, for for him him or people working for him. Uh, And I'm not saying he's doing this. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, there's opportunity for more popular artists to kind of put their thumbs on the scale and get even more revenue. And so what's happening is we have this wealth transfer from artists who actually have fans to artists who have clicks at, at a broad level. And that's unhealthy for everybody. Uh, and uh, the fact that at, at uh, uh, you know, at the macro level, it doesn't seem to change much. Uh, that's just because uh, labels, uh, whether they're major or indie, one way to think about a label is it's, it's, it's like a, a hedge fund, right? They, they own a little bit of a lot of different things. They have a portfolio of artists. So if some artists win at the expense of other artists who lose, it's revenue neutral to them. Uh, it doesn't really have an impact. But it obviously has an impact on the artists. Now, if the impact was arbitrary, you know, I wouldn't really have anything to talk about. It, it wouldn't really matter, right? If it was random which artists win or which artists lose, music business has always been arbitrary. The reason why we should care uh, in, in, about which artists win and which artists lose, um, and, and this is the analogy I use. Imagine we have uh, two um, mice, okay? And imagine we have, and, and we, we put them in a, in a little box. And imagine we have two po- gases. And one of these gases will kill 50% of the mice, and the other gas will kill a, a different 50% of the mice. So we don't really care which gas we put in, one of those mice is going to wind up dead. What difference does it make, right? And that's how a lot of people look at this. But what if I told you that one of those mice contained a gene that would cure small cell carcinomas? Now all of a sudden, we care which mice wins and which mice lives. It's material. It makes a difference. So now, which gas we use matters, right? And in my view, and I think it should be the music industry's view, Artists who actually bring real people to their shows, who actually bring real people in to to buy their albums, those are the mice 
that are, uh, you know, are, are the, they're the equivalent of, of the music industry's cure for cancer. <laughs> they're the ones that we should be caring about. Uh, the people well, that bring but, real fans. But, but, I mean, taking that argument, Taylor Swift brings a lot more real people to a show than some indie band playing Slims in San Francisco. So, therefore, Taylor Swift should be saved and the indie band can be disposed of because no, you're taking the you're taking the wrong message right so you're uh, first of all taylor swift in either scenario is going to make more money because she has more fans and she should make more money because she has more fans that's how it works right that's economics i'm not saying uh nor am i, I i'm actually talking about the indie band when i talk about uh, or or more importantly the emerging artist right because it's not necessarily indie and this isn't about indie versus major. This is about the emerging artist, whatever they are. They could be reggae, they could be blues, they could be the next Taylor Swift, they could be the next Alt-J. But it's, it's an artist that actually develops real fans, right? So let's imagine you have two indie artists, right? Side by side. Uh, and they're both, uh, you know, um, uh, they're, they're one's a, a, a shitty indie artist, and one's a really good, you know, one's Yeah, gonna, but, 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 but let's, come on, let's, let's be real here. Who's passing judgment on what's shitty and what's good? That's 100% personal on whoever's, whoever's the fan absolutely, is. Absolutely, absolutely. So who's so, passing judgment? The listeners. And how are they judging? By how much, what they choose to spend their time listening. That's what they're paying the money for, right? So if one, if one listener wants to play something 10,000 times, that doesn't mean it's worth anything less than 10,000 people who want to play at one time. I, 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 that's where we disagree because 10,000 users uh, listening, uh, you know, if, if 10,000 users are spending 100% of their time listening to one artist and one user is spending 100% of their time listening to one artist, how can you say that the 10,000 users are worth the same or less as one user? How can you say that one user is worthless and that those 10,000 plays aren't worth anything? Well, that's precisely what I'm not saying. I'm saying all users are equal. You're the, actually, the current status of things is saying that some users are worthless, right? If I only listen, if I only spend an hour a week listening to music, I'm effectively worthless. Even though I care a lot about music, I spend my $10 a month just like everybody else. I'm meaningless. My vote doesn't count. What I'm saying is that all users are worth the same. Because you basically, you got two choices here. You can either say all clicks are worth the same or all users are worth the same. You can't have both at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. So you have to decide what you care about. Do you care so about... So are you saying it should be weighted? Like if I listen to, you know, say... I'm paying my $10 a month. Michael's paying his $10 a month. I listen to five songs every month. He listens to 50 songs every month. Should it be paid the way it's been? You know, with that pool that you described, should my five be weighted against that $10 that I'm paying and his 50 so his clicks are worth a little bit less than mine? Does that make Here, sense? Let me, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't care how many artists you listen to. You both pay $10 a month. Right. You're both worth $10. Right. So the only question is, how are we going to divide up your $10? Right? And I'm saying, let's divide up your money among the artists you actually listen to. Because if we don't, 
this is what we wind up with. Imagine you walk into a record store and you buy a record by uh, Michael Pickett. What's an indie band you, you, you like a lot? Somebody. Um, Angels on Airwaves. A- Angels on Airwaves. So you go buy the Angels on Airwaves record, right? And you, you pay your uh, uh, 15 bucks for the CD. And you get to the front counter and you, and you pay your 15 bucks. And the, and, and, and the desk clerk goes, uh, hey, that's great. You, you, I, I, that's cool band. I like them. Angels on Airwaves. Great. Uh, now, I just need you to listen to this record 2,000 times. And then they'll get the money. Otherwise, I'm going to give the money to Nickelback. And you're like, what the fuck? I'm buying Angels on Airwaves. I want them to get my money. I'm trying to support them. My vote is for them. It shouldn't matter how many times I listen to it. Uh, And the record store is like, I don't care. We're not counting your money. We're not counting you as a person. We're counting how many times you listen to this. And if you don't listen to it 2,000 times, we're going to give your money to Nickelback because they're getting a lot of listens. So you're now financially supporting Nickelback even though your vote is for Angels on Airwaves. One of my personal favorite artists, who I bought several of her records, Meredith Monk, uh, very sort of experimental, uh, uh, intriguing sort of uh, artist, uh, 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 you know, just incredible stuff. Not the kind of shit you listen to all day long, right? It's, it's not quite Frank Zappa, but it's, uh, it's, it's out there a bit. I, one of my favorite artists had a, has had a huge impact on my life. I think about her stuff all the time. I've listened to her record maybe 20, 30 times. And I consider that the best investment I've ever made in terms of, you know, pound for, uh, you know, dollar per listening minute spent. So in the Spotify universe, she gets nothing. I, I put my money in to listen to Meredith Monk. She doesn't get any of that. Instead, all that money is going to go to Calvin Harris or, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, who's the, Avicii, you know, one of these uh, artists that's getting all these background. Well, let, let's, be, let's be honest here. She's not, it, nothing is not accurate. In this model, she, she's getting paid something. She's just not getting paid a lot. Well, uh, she's getting paid on clicks as she's opposed getting to paid fans. Every time you listen, she's getting paid three quarters of a cent. That's right. Not, so, not, not, not arguing the amount. But that is not nothing. Yeah, that well, is something. Okay. She does get something. I, it's effectively nothing. Let's put it this way, right? Like, let's say, let's assume I subscribe to to Spotify solely so that I could spend an hour once a week listening to like the weird artists I want to listen to. And over the course of three years, Meredith Monk gets thirty plays. That's twenty one cents. Okay. But she's a big chunk of the reason I've subscribed, right? Right. But she's getting twenty one cents. Meanwhile. Support her in other ways. Well, you can still do that. It's not mutually exclusive. I can buy her T-shirts. I can buy her merch. I can go to her shows. That's going to happen regardless. But why shouldn't we, uh, you know, why shouldn't the pie be divided based on what you actually listen to? Let let, let me ask you. So this all could make sense for a subscriber. What about all the people who don't subscribe and then listen? Who's going to pay for that? I'm not sure I follow you. You can go. Yeah, you, can, advertising. You, you can you can go on to Spotify and listen to music without paying ten dollars a month. The ad based. So the, oh, ad, the based. ad based. So premium. who's paying? Right, so, who's paying so, for that then? Yeah. So we're coming back to uh, you know what we had before. Here on on, on ad based, I'm actually eh, neutral. 
Um, I, don't, I don't really care. Number one, it's a very small percentage of revenue. It's about 10% of, of the overall gross, and it's not increasing. Um, number two... No, I'm, not, I'm not talking about how much they're making in revenue. I'm talking about you got a lot right. of subscribers who are listening. Yeah, yeah. So but, who, they're, they're, but who's going to – so in your proposed change, who pays for that person who's not a subscriber? Who pays uh, – Do they get a share by click or by voice of the, the revenue the, that's coming yeah, the, in from the, advertising? When, when I'm a subscriber – that artist gets paid based on a share of what I pay $10 per month for. Right. If I'm not a subscriber and I listen just as much as somebody who is a subscriber, where is the money coming from to pay that share? That, oh, I see. So that money comes from advertisers, right? So advertisers are the ones paying the money. So in my view, that's a problem for the advertisers to decide. If they want to pay more money for somebody to listen to something 10,000 times versus getting exposure to 10,000 people who listen once. That's their problem. It's their money. They're the ones paying. I, you know, I don't really have a strong stance on that from the artist perspective. Uh, keep in mind, I'm looking at, at this from the overall health of the entire music industry, not just, you know, from the artist side, right? I don't think it makes a huge difference. It's not much difference than, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when I get checks for radio plays, right? Like I get paid on a per play basis, uh, you know, as part of the compulsory uh, licensing, copyright licensing. It's very, to, to the artists, the advertising revenue is extremely marginal. It doesn't really make a difference in their life. Even if we switch to subscriber share, it's not going to make a difference because there's so many subscribers and they're actually streaming less than premium subscribers, by the way. Your typical uh, freemium subscribers averaging about 300 a month. Your typical uh, premium subscribers averaging around 1100 a month. So the, the, the advertising uh, listeners don't listen as much uh, in aggregate. They definitely don't generate as much money for the artists. I just consider it sort of a side issue. I'm not really particularly worried about it at this uh, stage. And I also feel like freemium's probably not going to last a whole lot longer. There's a lot of indications within the industry right. that, uh, you know, Lucian Grange at, at Universal, Sony's been very vocal. Uh, there's a, an Apple's not doing it, you know. Yeah. There's an increasing sense that, the, you know, I, I think the gamble was if, if we give this stuff away for free, we'll get a lot of people hooked on subscribing and we'll build the subscriber base. And yeah. what we're seeing is that subscription is not growing at a rate uh, that is delivering a, a, a return on the investment. Uh, Understood. Well, let me, let me just kind of recap, just so I understand, you know, going back to the way things are now and the way that you're thinking, you know, the, and others are thinking that it should be, you know, if, if uh, you know, for example, if I'm listening to Creeper Lagoon and I'm listening to that, you know, and I'm paying ten dollars a month, and that's kind of all I listen to, you're saying that they should benefit from that and not be, you know, from my ten dollars. If they're a hundred percent, maybe they should get the ten dollars, as opposed to Creeper Lagoon being one percent of the streams that month, and then taking a piece of that pool, which I would imagine varies from month to month, right? Right. Okay. But you know, here's here's one way to think about it. What what do what does the music industry ultimately want? What does everybody want? The labels, more subscribers, the, more subscribers, 
That's what we want. Right. So why aren't we incentivizing more subscribers? And, and, and you know, we can actually, uh, we can look at this sort of mathematically, right? Uh, like there's studies that, that, that show this stuff. Most of the heavy uh, listeners, what we call uh, aficionados, uh, the people that are very serious about music listening, they're already subscribing, right? So, and that happens to be in the current model where all the money is. You want the aficionados to listen to you. So most of people in the world are actually what we would consider light users, right? But we are providing no incentive to people that attract light users. So that's completely as backwards. What we should be doing is we should be saying, we don't care how many times you click. What we care about is how many people you bring in the door. So, so you're talking about an incentive to the artist because there's no incentive to me as a light user. In, in your change in model, that's no incentive to me. It makes no difference yeah, to me. No, to, 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 Would, to wouldn't listener. it make more sense? What's the incentive to get the, the, the listener on? Right. So, so uh, let's talk about that. What motivates you to join a subscri subscription service? A love of music, right? What doesn't motivate you to join a subscription service? Well, you know, I think... Uh, if they're missing what I'm listening to, excessive advertising... If they don't have what I'm listening to, it costs too much. That's the, actually the number one thing. Uh, you know, they've done uh, studies of this. But let's think about this. How do, you, how do you persuade somebody that the cost justifies it, right? Well, one way to do it is you have salespeople out there selling you on it, right? Who are the natural salespeople for streaming services? Musicians. That's the obvious frontline sales force, right? Yeah, I agree to a point. I mean, I think it backfired on title, but I do... I do see where you're going with it, and well, I think if done if about, done properly, I'm not talking about title. I'm talking about like you go see an indie band, oh, and and, uh, and they uh, tell you instead of buy my CD, subscribe to Spotify and listen they, to me on Spotify. They have an iPad set up, you know, and and you can go subscribe to Spotify right then and there, and you can go home and you can listen to the record, and you can listen to a bunch of other stuff too. And and instead of saying streaming is fucking us and we're not getting paid by streaming, now they're saying, we love streaming, we want you to join streaming so that you can listen to our record. Totally different. Multiply that by hundreds of millions of musicians all over the world. Yeah. It's a different, it's, it's just a different environment. Uh, and right now, what we're saying to artists, hey, here, here's another problem with the current model, right? Because of this pay-per-click model, which reduces the price per click, it now takes your typical indie band, if they want to make minimum wage, they got to get over 8 million clicks in a year. That's insurmountable for, for, a, for a local band. Uh, and that's at current levels, right, Shark? I mean, if we grow that pie to your previous point and we get more people subscribing, then those, those numbers are going to change. No. Right? No, those with, numbers. With more subscribers paying $10 a month, it's got to. No, actually, what's going to happen is more subscribers join and people get more used to the service and listen to music more often. You're going to see that price per click. My guess is you're going to see it go down. And you think, historically, you think that that bell curve you described earlier, you think that will change with more subscribers? I think you will. Uh, you will continue to see the price per click go down because what we're uh, looking at is more and more people going online and so their habits and usage change 
And uh, as these habits and uses, this is, you know, look, this is what we've seen today. Uh, you know, the, 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 that uh, 0 0.007 was at one time 0 0.0009. And it's, it's, uh, uh, it's steadily declined. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if you ask uh, people in streaming, you know, do you think that price per click is going to go up anytime soon? You know, they're going to tell you no. They think it's going to stay the same or continue to decline. So the problem we now have is for an individual artist who, this is the guy, I, I mean, at one time I was homeless selling blood to buy burritos, right? <laughs> like that was where Good I was, Lord. <laughs> that was where I was at, right? So $20 meant I didn't have to sell my fucking blood and I could, I could buy that burrito without having to go to the blood bank, right? Like that was, that was part of my economic consideration at, at the time. So $20 makes a material difference to me. If I bring 10 people to the service and they all listen to me 50% of the time, that's $35. But in the pro rata universe, if, if these guys are listening, uh, you know, if they're typical users are listening 400 uh, times a month, uh, then each user is only worth, uh, uh, you know, a dollar. So uh, that, you know, it's, it's eleven dollars versus thirty-five. That's a trip to the blood bank for me. Understood. Let me ask you this, Sharky. If wh who's opposed to this? What, what's the opposition? I'm sure you have these conversations with people, and I think uh, people will understand it to varying degrees. That's but right. who who is standing up and going? Yeah, no. Um, not that they don't think it's going to happen, but no, I don't want this to happen. So uh, the objections generally, uh, so, so first of all, I should say overwhelmingly, there's broad consensus and support for like, this is how we should do it, even among the researchers that have studied this. I mean, like, it's really weird. Like there's the, the people that ob object are pretty small. Uh, but there are, there are those people, uh, and their objections kind of run along the following lines. Uh, number one, they'll say, well, uh, this is a, a uh, uh, you know, it's, it's going to result in the more popular artists getting paid more. Uh, and it, 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 kind of what you were saying, Michael, uh, which is this, this feels like a wealth transfer based on popularity. And my response to that is, is basically the, uh, uh, that popularity is not just Taylor Swift. Popularity happens at all levels throughout the industry. It happens even, you know, among the, the, the dozen local bands that play in your town, one is more popular than the other uh, 11. We want the more popular artists to make more money. That's the whole point. If we are not paying based on popularity, how many fans you have, then we're, you know, we're, we're saying what we really care about is how often your fans click, which doesn't generate money for anybody. So it's it's uh, it's an economic misalignment. The second thing that they'll uh, uh, people will sort of get fixated on, um, I think people that grew up in the radio era are used to seeing. Uh, are, 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 it, it basically boils down to whether you see streaming as a proxy for radio, and and they'll refer to it as plays, which sounds like radio. And so they're getting used to being paid per play. And then there's, on the other hand, you have people that see it as a proxy for a purchase, right? Which is, uh, they are now streaming instead of purchasing. I'm definitely in, the, in, in that camp. Since right. I started subscribing, I stopped buying. 
right? So streaming. Right. Or you could also add it's a proxy for theft, bit BitTorrent, peer-to-peer. Right. Well, yeah, you know, you're always competing against piracy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think piracy has its own problems uh, that make it sort of, you know, it's not going to work for the mainstream. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I think if you can present a compelling price point for consumers, they would rather pay because they, you know, at, at a certain level, they just, you know, that's easier. They go with whatever Convenience. Yeah. yeah, convenience. So if you see streaming as a proxy for purchase, which is how I do, then when you bought the Led Zeppelin record, you paid $10 for that record, regardless of how many times you listened to it. You could have listened to it 10,000 times. You could have listened to it five times. It didn't matter how many times you listened to it. It just mattered whether you bought it. And that's how I view streaming. It doesn't matter how often you listen to something. It matters what, what market share of your mind does an artist have. If you spend 100% of your time listening to one artist, then that artist should get 100% of your royalties because that's who you're voting for. And voting is how we reward the, the, the things we want to continue to exist and, and incentivize them. This is how genres get started. Hip-hop, jazz, grunge, all of this stuff started with a small group of, of uh, musicians and a small group of fans financially supporting those musicians. They all start with these small groups. Right now, a small group under the current pro rata uh, framework isn't worth anything it's, or very marginal. It's certainly not enough to, to build a new genre out of. What makes a genre exciting is, holy shit, that guy's making a new kind of music and he's making money. And then everybody wants to start copying him and they start building on it and it starts becoming a scene. I remember when Nirvana signed a million dollar deal, the entire indie, indie community, like, you know, everybody just freaked out. Holy crap. This, this music that we've all been, you know, messing around with, you know, I, I opened for the Melvins in 87 and, you know, it just seemed like we were all just nothing burgers. And now all of a sudden, like, you know, the same bands are, are getting million dollar advances. That changed everything. And all of a sudden, everybody's relationship to the genre and to the music and everything changed. And this has happened in every genre that has ever come up. Punk, disco, uh, uh, jazz, hip hop. It's always the same thing. It's a small group of musicians. They figure out a new angle on something and people around them get excited because it, it reflects their lives. And what we're saying right now is that small group that gets excited, they don't have any say. Their vote doesn't count unless they stream 24 hours a day. And it, 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 that's a challenge because it's hard to compete with a hair salon. It's hard to compete with a business or an office that's streaming, you know, uh, pleasant, uh, chill-out EDM for 12 to 16 hours a day. How do you compete against that? Right. And this is, I think, in part why you see EDM everywhere and why it's so dominating in, in the uh, 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 streaming universe is because it is very pleasant to play in the background. Why, let, me, let me ask you this. So if this all changed, why do you think it will put any more money into an artist's pocket when it's just going to be paid to the rights holder? which a lot of times is some form of a record label who works their interesting accounting magic on it, and you still end up earning pennies because, as, as Jay and I were talking about, oh, well, you had breakage. Breakage of a stream, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, 
we all know record labels are going to to spin the incoming money in such a way that at the end of the day you owe them money. What why would this change that at all? Because what I feel like is still missing here is and and, and I'm not saying that streaming is ideal right now, but the big problem is so many artists, and we see this all the time where an artist jumps on, on the internet and screams bloody murder that they're not making any money. Dude, you've got to deal with Warner Brothers Records. You know, Spotify never would have paid you directly. Spotify would have paid Warner Brothers. Go talk to your manager, your accountant, take a look at your contract, and figure out why what went into Warner Brothers came out like this at the end of the day. Right. So, you know, my answer to that is, uh, number one, I can't, uh, and I'm not trying to, solve all of the music industry's problems with one proposal. Oh, come on, Sharky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am trying to make a very incremental change that hopefully shouldn't be too painful for anyone. And all the data I've seen and the private conversations I've had with people of services indicate that this is not a, a, a massive reshuffling among uh, the various moneyed interests. Uh, uh, you know, some will see a, maybe a per one point gain, some will see maybe a one point loss, but it's, it's attainable, it's plausible, it's not going to put anybody out of business at the macro level. Uh, to your point, the major label, I was an indie artist, I was also a major label artist, so I, I'm, I'm deeply familiar with how both of those models work. I would say, uh, you know, when somebody signs a major label deal, they're typically getting an advance, uh, and that is your money. That's the advance against the streaming, that's your advance against this. Uh, there's also some confusion going on here when people talk about low payouts for, for uh, Spotify. They're sometimes talking about the songwriter share. That's a whole separate issue. Exactly. I'm, right. Fair yeah, enough. I'm not, ad I, I'm not, I'm not addressing that. Um, that's, a, that's somebody else's problem. Um, I'm not here to fix all of global warming. I'm here to fix one small, uh, you know, uh, recycling of cans. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just focused on one little okay. tiny corner where I think there's something that we can do that's, that's attainable. Uh, but at, I would say, first of all, you're, you're, you're also sort of understating how many DIY artists are out there that self-release through DistroKid, through The Orchard, uh, and, and put it out on their own, and they build up their own fan bases. That's how we got started. And we eventually wound up doing that multi-million dollar deal with David Geffen. But it started with a cassette that, you know, uh, uh, you know we, we put out. And then it, it, the next step was convincing a guy who put out cassettes also by the Mountain Goats. <laughs> and he put out the cassette. And that led to a guy in Boston saying, hey, I'll put out a single. And that led to an A&R guy buying the single in a record store. And that led to a long conversation, several EPs. And, and you know, five, six years later, we're signing that multi-million dollar deal. So for me... This is not about the major artists. Um, it is to some extent, but not a huge extent, about the mid-level artists. For me, what this is really about are those guys selling their blood to buy burritos and gals. Um, this is about those emerging musicians who are just getting started, who need the money the most. They need it more than any of these other guys. And they are getting the least. They are bringing paying customers into the system, and they're not being rewarded for what they're bringing in fairly. 
And that's the, that's my, you know, concern. That's my problem. I run a business where I, I interact with these artists uh, on a, you know, we have several hundred of these artists on the road every single day. And I see them and, and how they struggle to pay these bills and make it work. And, and, you know, I laugh when people say, well, you know, people can make it back by touring. Well, to me, that doesn't seem like music. I mean, music shouldn't be you're forced to go on the road nine months out of the year. And I feel like your music also suffers because you don't write music. You don't record music when you're on the road. It's I've tried. It's pretty much impossible to make anything quality when you can't ever, you know, rest and, and be in, in a good space. And also, what about people like Harry Nielsen, who never toured, never played shows at all? Classic, wonderful, amazing records. So we're saying that he's irrelevant, that that kind of artist we don't need anymore. We only need these road dogs that are going to be out on the road nine months a year. And, and that kind of mindset means that you have to have a team of people writing your songs for you and recording them and producing them. And then you show up and you lay down your, your vocals. <laughs> that's pretty much it. And to me, that's, that's not that, you know, that's, that's a approach. That's a fine approach, but it shouldn't be the only approach. And this all kind of flows from this mindset that we're uh, going to pay on a per play basis instead of paying based on market share of individual minds. And it's always been about individual minds previously. And the only reason we're at it like this right now is because, uh, you know, and I heard this through somebody in the industry. Basically, when this was being decided and, and people, and I, I worked for Listen.com in uh, 2000, uh, which eventually became Rhapsody in uh, 2003 and was the first streaming service to actually do a, a deal with majors. Yep. And I remember having these conversations uh, with all these folks and, and there's a lot of debate about what to do and how we do it and, and how do we convince the majors and, and you know, a, a whole big to do. And what it came down to was this, at, at, at a certain point, everybody looked at it and they said, well, should we do the user centric approach or should we do the per play approach? And there were some people that really wanted the per play approach because they, they didn't trust the streaming services to make the actual money, right? So if they did the per play approach, then they knew they were getting paid for every play. If they do the user centric approach, then, you know, it, it just it seems sort of sketchy. And then some smart guys at the labels, they did the math and they said, well, we actually would make a little bit more with the user centric approach. We would come out about a point ahead. Maybe we should think about that. And some of the major management companies also did the math and they said, and a few of them uh, said, well, wait a second, this doesn't work out well for us. We're opposed. And so then at that point, a business decision was made. Do we risk uh, our partnerships with these major management companies? Because it's not about the artists who come and go. It's about the management companies who manage these artists. You know, that's, that's your, you know, from a labels perspective, that's your true vendor, right? Like the guy that can bring you 10 Rihannas is a lot more important than just the Rihanna, right? So making that guy happy is what's important. And if that guy says he's unhappy, and the difference to you is a point, and this is on a business that hasn't even been proven or established yet, you go with not making that guy unhappy. And that's precisely what happened. And, you know, ever since then, we've been kind of stuck with this. And it wasn't really nefarious. It was just nobody knew. 
and it's just it's just going back to the very beginning that's just the way business has always been in the music industry it's like i'm going to cut the deals with the people who i'm friends with i don't want to piss off yeah. my buddy yeah. and 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 the unfortunate part is you know if the, if there's if there's ever an example of trickle down this is it it trickles down to the to the indie emerging artists having to by default accept these deals that were cut to make my buddy happy right so but you know that's fine and 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 it's fair actually in a way because that's how capitalism works uh and if you want to uh you know nothing's ever going to be uh you know you know, who uh, what sense would it make for the major labels to structure deals that would work for the emerging artists like that's not their job their job is to structure deals that work for them and asking them to think about these other interests is silly but the problem is that the deal that we have right now is actually bad for everybody it's bad for the majors it's bad for these uh management companies there is a small handful of artists that uh benefit from the current system but they are a minority. Most artists uh, would benefit from this. And more to the point, we got to look at the long-term impact of, of what happens when we strip the right to vote from a huge section of the populace. You know, like, what sort of democracy is it when the only people that matter, you know, that, uh, uh, whose votes counts are the ones that go to the polls 24 hours a day? You know, then all you get is uh, you get a, uh, a country that's run by people that have time to vote all the time. And then you also get a country that's run by people that have an interest in voting all the time. Right. And what you don't get is, is a country where it's one person, one vote. So I'm basically saying, essentially, streaming should be one person, one vote. Uh, you get your $7. You get to divide it up however you want. Yes, the more you listen, the smaller those pie shares will be. So, you know, some people get upset about that. Well, I can't get behind this fact that the artist with more streams is getting paid less. Well, they're not getting paid less because they have more streams. They're getting paid less because they have less fans. If they have more fans, they will get paid more. So that's well, the, the good uh, news with all of this, I think, is that this is really in its infancy even today you know right. streaming's been around about a week and a half and we just need to kind of step back you know and look at the history of the music industry these things happen slowly um and sometimes like with the download world it was kind of forced to a certain extent but what i'm encouraged by is i love the debate i love talking about uh, these models and i don't feel like it's too late to change course at this point because we're still figuring it all out. It's still, like I said, it's in its infancy. Yeah, I mean, every, every debate is is peeling another layer of the onion back and we're discovering something. I mean, you know, the, the, the Taylor Swift debate all of a sudden revealed, oh my God, record labels were getting major advances from the streaming companies up front. Where was that money going? You know, right. other earlier debates, oh my God, <laughs> You mean record labels actually own a percentage of these streaming companies? Yeah, that leaked what, what does what contract. does that what does yeah. that mean to everything? So all the you know all of these pieces come out, and it just adds to um, adds fuel to start asking more questions about. So what is really going on? Why was that deal structured? Was the deal structured in the best interests 
of the artist, or was it structured in the best interest of a lot of cash up front that never had to be divided amongst the artists? Right. I, I think, look, we can take it, uh, you know, for granted that the labels are going to get, uh, are going to negotiate in the best interest of the executives that work there. Yep. Uh, that, that, I, I, I think we can just accept that as a basic law of the universe, um, that, uh, they are going to look out for the artists to the extent that looking out for the artist means looking out for themselves. And once those two interests diverge, they're going to go with themselves, right? I, I mean, that's just what humans do. I don't necessarily see it as inherently evil. No, that's what it is we what all it is. Yeah. Uh, And what I would say, um, you know, uh, let me just take one thing. So this equity question, um, you know, I, I, I had a fairly well-known artist I, I saw, a good friend of mine, and he said, yeah, you know, the the labels are taking this equity. This is total bullshit. Um, and they, they totally are incentivized to just fuck us. And I said, well, hold on a second. Let's think about this practically. All right. Labels have about, uh, in combination, 20% of Spotify, which last estimate, you know, Spotify was at one point, I think, last year, purportedly trying to uh, sell the company for around $10 billion. So they got 20%, which would be about $2 billion, split three ways, of which uh, uh, it's is not an e even split either. Uh, I think Universal has a good chunk. By market and, share. Yeah. Uh, it's not even by market shares because it was however they structured the individual deals. But uh, so uh, I think Warner Brothers has a very tiny chunk, right? Uh, so you, they all got a chunk of $2 billion. In 1999, the worldwide music industry revenues was $26 billion. Right now, I believe last time I checked, it's around uh, uh, 14 billion. Is that right? Some, somewhere around the 12 to 14 billion. I think it's like 13.5 last time I checked, but yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah. So we've, we've taken, we're taking uh, from, from the industry peak in 1999 versus where we're at right now, that's a $13 billion a year hit. Now, does it make any sense that a label would trade $13 billion a year for one time? realization of 30% of 2 billion. Like that doesn't make any sense. The equity was just, you know, something they, they knew they could get, they got it. Uh, but I, it's not going to make them want to, uh, sacrifice the industry, uh, to this, this, uh, pillar of equity in order for Spotify to be worth enough money to have justified that, uh, uh loss of revenue on, on the global level, it'd have to be worth a trillion dollars. Yeah, I think the issue was really about the lack of transparency originally about whether it's money from advertising, whether it was you know getting a stake in the company, all of these things, you know, they weren't really discussed initially. And as some of these things came out in the press, whether it was that leaked Sony contract or however people started discussing it, I think that's where it came to the table. Not that it's unfair for them to have a stake in these companies. No, but yeah, I, I agree. It's not that. That's not the issue, and I don't think it's them trying to destroy any business. It's just it opens up the questions when the artist goes, "Well, if my record label got an advance, or my record label stands a payout of a billion dollars, should I, I can get a and, and my catalog is this big with them, and I've been with them for twenty-five years, do I see any of that?" No, and the answer is no. And no, it no, you're right. You're right. And and but that is what 
and and I'm glad to see this happening because it is opening up the transparency that artists didn't know this stuff. Again, I I can't tell you how many artists, you know, you see every week bitch about what's going on, and I'm just like, but you don't even know the basics of your contract. Then you know you but don't. You also, you know, you also see, uh, you know, one of the the life changing things for me was I read an article by Steve Albini in the 80s called Your Band Could Be This Fucked. Yeah. Uh, and it was I about that. Uh, it was about how, uh, you know, you signed a major label deal and this is what you're giving away and this is what you're getting in return. And that really opened my eyes. And that actually helped me a lot when I was negotiating my deal because I knew what I was giving away and what I should be getting in return. Right. So, uh, the, the, the interesting thing about the internet is the overall arc of the internet is towards transparency. It's really hard to hide stuff, as Sony found out, right? You can't keep your a contract in a, in a locked safe. Sooner or later, it gets scanned because it needs to be because it's being emailed back and forth between a bunch of people. And eventually, one of those guys gets hacked or gets pissed off or gets fired or gets fired. And then uh, next thing you know, that, that information is out there, right? And that sort of changes how everybody interacts with the industry. And as a result, you see major artists now. Uh, Taylor Swift would be one. Uh, you know, another one I saw the other day, Chance the Rapper. Huge artist. Uh, really big artist. He's like, why would I ever sign a major label deal? That's stupid. I mean, like, that's just fucking myself, right? And he's right. For him at, at his level, uh, unless the label was able to uh, actually make a deal. I mean, I think people kind of, you know, at one time labels controlled so many elements of, of the chain. They controlled the manufacturing. They controlled the, the, the distribution, book, the distribution, the bookends at the shelves. Yeah. Now, all a label is, is it's a VC. Uh, it's basically it's a VC fund with a marketing slash in, in-house marketing PR department. That's all yeah, and and you know they they in a lot of cases they're global. A lot of cases they have power at radio, which still sells music. Yes. But yeah. your point is well taken. To a lot of folks, I've had artists tell me, you know, my my label's a bank. You know, they're they're that's all they are for me. Right. Um, but but you make a valid point. Right. Well, and you know, many artists are now showing that you can you know get very very high. Uh, you know, within the system without actually being part of a major label. Uh, you know, I, Arcade Fire. Uh, you know, they're on Merge. They've been killing it for a long time. They've won Grammy Award for the best record of the year. Who could have conceived of that in the 70s that a non-major label would win? Well, to be fair, you know, Merge is through ADA. ADA is owned by WIA. Same, same staff, same teams. But I get what you're saying. It's yeah. No, no, look, at, 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 you know, you get to a certain point and, and you have to interact with some of the major label distribution uh, uh, mechanisms just because that's one of the only ways to get to that scale. But they didn't have to actually sign that 360 deal with that's Warner right. Brothers to get that's there. Right. Right? That's right. So they have they a lot have to more. to sell their souls. Yeah, they, they have a lot more say and control. They know the people that, uh, you know, at Merge and... Uh, you know, I, I would say that's a success story for, uh, you know, a certain level of DIY. Sure, uh, say it with Macklemore. There's, a, there's a, a lot of those cases. Right. Absolutely. And, and if anything, it seems like an increasing number, right? Like there's more now probably than there was 30 years ago, definitely. Probably more than there was 20 years ago. Uh, so, you know, I, in my view, we want streaming 
to be the proxy for purchasing. We want it to be that because if we get, uh, you know, uh, I think the average spend per consumer in the U.S. was something like 12 bucks a year, uh, you know, prior to the emergence of uh, digital media. At streaming, that's 120 bucks a year, right? Uh, so if you can get, obviously not everybody's going to subscribe, but if you could get to 30 40 50 dollars a year per capita spend the music industry is bigger than it's ever been that's right two to three times the size it's ever been streaming is a huge huge massive opportunity but that for the doesn't music mean industry. that the artists are going to participate more to michael's point i think as that grows there needs to be the discussion about okay where is that money going all right and i and that is my little small contribution to this discussion is Setting aside what the labels do and, and the way those deals are structured and, and the fact that uh, uh, Portishead only gets a thousand bucks for 20 million plays because of whatever deal they signed, to your point, Michael, uh, setting all that aside, even if the label is the one getting all the money, which artist gets the money makes a difference in how the label chooses to make investments in the future. So if the only artists getting money from the labels are, you know, uh, chill house EDM artists, then that's all they're going to invest in. They're just going to invest in whatever delivers a return on their investment. So if we want actual uh, intriguing music, interesting artists, people doing things, you know, new genres, then we need to create a framework that supports that so that the labels will want to invest in that. Uh, and so that the, so it's 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 really about something that impacts the DIY artists. It impacts the indie label artists. It impacts the major label artists. It's the entire ecosystem is impacted by saying we care more about clicks than we do about fans. In fact, we don't care about fans at all. The number of fans you have is irrelevant. All we care about is how many clicks you got. That's crazy, and and I I I just can't believe that that's in the best interest of pretty much everybody in the industry. There's a small percentage that are, are adversely affected by that. They will be very vocal, I promise, uh, you know, about uh, their objections to uh, this system. But as, as music fans, as people that actually care about music, and uh, we should want a system that's truly fair. And what's truly fair is your fans should be, uh, you know, the people that are paying money to listen to you, you should get their money. I shouldn't be supporting Nickelback, you know, every time I listen to Alt-J. I shouldn't see any of my money go to Nickelback. I don't, I mean, I don't think they're as bad as some people say, but I don't like them. <laughs> so that's, Fair you know, enough. that's that's essentially where I come from. It's it's basically, it's it's an equity issue. I agree with both of you. There's a lot of problems endemic in the industry. Some of them are potentially solvable through transparency. Some of them are probably insolvable. Uh, I, I, th I think a, a good chunk of them are solvable just with education. Yeah. Me me meaning, educate yourself on the contract you're, you're tied to with whoever it is you're tied to, whether it's a major label, indie label, a distribution company, whoever it is understand that contract so you understand where the payments originate, who they go through, what 
start slicing that into smaller and smaller pieces um, because with a little education, a lot of the frustration might disappear. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we still got, you know, there's other problems. There's, uh, there's always problems. I mean, let, we, the three of us, I think, can agree. I mean, the music industry is always going to have problems. Right. You right, know, right. The, 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 the artist is always going to be seen not as a human that's creating something artistic. They're going to be seen as a product that's got a shelf life, that if it doesn't deliver, kill it on the bottom line and move into the next one so we can, we can make our quarterly numbers so the stockholders will be happy. Right. Uh, you know, that, that's just the reality. We will never change that. I mean, those glorious days where you had, you know, the labels of the 60s where it was really passionate about music. I, you know, once Wall I, Street, once, know, once, once Wall Street came in, everything changed. Once it became really about there's billions of dollars we can make here, everything changed. And I think you can't, you can't, you can't hope to change it and go back, but what you can, I, I think, what you can I hope think, to do I is understand. Can, I think we can actually, I, maybe I'm an optimist, but I think we can actually get back to some of that. Uh, if we use subscriber share and you bring 5,000 fans into the system and they really care about you, you don't need the majors. You can make a living much better than you could with 5,000 fans selling them a record once a year. I mean, if a fan is worth potentially $7 a month and you sell them a record once a year, you're going to get like 10 bucks a year from them by selling them the physical product. But if they're going to listen to you all year long, you could potentially get, uh, you know, uh, $84. But, but I, you know, at least in my experience, still to this day, the, the majority of unsigned artists don't want to succeed as a DIY. They still want a record deal. And I, I scratch my head and go, well, why? What, what, what do you well, want out of it? What are you get, <laughs> hoping to get out of it? But, but you know, well, it, it's, it's almost like wanna, that's still the... Perception's still the, reality. That's still know? the carrot they see hanging out there. I will become successful if I sign a record deal. I think, no, I think they're, they're actually making a very pragmatic and practical decision, which is it's hard to promote, distribute, publicize, market. It's hard to get the word out. Now you're expected to run a Facebook, a Twitter Socials, page, yeah. like all this stuff. And when do you have time to write music? I think most people, most musicians, at least I did, this is part of my calculus. My fantasy was not that I was going to get 100% of the revenue from everything I did. My fantasy is that I was going to spend 100% of my time focusing on music. So whatever allowed me to accomplish that fantasy, spend all my time and energy thinking about music, that's what I wanted. And so that was you know, part of the calculus for signing a major label deal, is that they were going to do all the heavy lifting, and I'm going to get a small, tiny percentage at the end, but because of all their heavy lifting, that small percentage will bigger, be bigger than 100% of you know, basically nothing, right? So that's what they're thinking, and I think it's 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 uh, uh, you know they're they're thinking somebody will help them achieve their dream of being a full time musician. Most people, in most people's mind, a full time musician means I'm spending all my time playing, thinking, composing, writing about performing, you know, yeah. music. And yeah. you know, in my case, at least for for a time, that was true. I was not thinking about the business. I, I couldn't give two shits what our revenue was. Uh, I, I, I didn't know what, 
you know, our returns were on any given thing. I didn't really care. It didn't make a difference. All I knew was that I was getting a check for $1,500 a month out of a fund that had been uh, created for, for that purpose by uh, DreamWorks. And uh, at that time, 1500 bucks was actually a living wage in San Francisco. Uh, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't get you very far now. Uh, but, uh, uh, and I would live off that $1,500 a month and I would spend all my time thinking about how can I make my music better? That's what artists want. And that's why they sign these deals and they don't really have the business acumen to understand. And, and I'll tell you, even now, 20 years later, when I do understand, uh, the intricacies of, of copyright law, uh, not all of them, I'm not an attorney, but certainly I'm, I'm not a lay person. Uh, and I, and I have conversations with attorneys, and even among people that have devoted their entire lives to these subjects, there's disagreement about what things mean, or the relevance, or the value. Uh, so to ask somebody who's 19 years old, 20 years old, to wade through that thicket and make an informed decision, I, I, I don't think there's enough hours in the day for them to actually you know, be in that place. Right, so, and to be fair, you know, we sometimes paint record labels with a, a large uh, brush, and I've worked with record labels my entire career, and I can tell you that there are many record labels out there with fully passionate, dedicated people who will throw themselves in front of a speeding train for you to get you to be successful. Not, I think the problem these days is that there's so much contraction. There's so many people losing their jobs that the people left behind are doing the jobs of two, three, four, five people. And that in itself creates stress, creates, you know, uh, people covering their ass. And you don't have the kind of what we used to have uh, with people taking chances and being. Um, you know, taking marketing risks and things like that. So I just wanted to throw that in there, that there, there definitely are some good label people out there and good things out there. But in general, the industry is so much different now than it was even five, seven years ago. I, my general sense is that, uh, I, I, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more, more wholeheartedly. Um, even in the battle days, there was a lot of people that really cared about music and musicians a lot. And I, I, it was my pleasure to work with a lot of them. So I don't like to villainize streaming services. I don't like to villainize labels. Um, I think everybody's voting their interest. And uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not here to go that everybody's fucking me. Uh, that's, that's not my personal position on this. Um, you know, I, I was an indie band that got signed to a label that, you know, did not make money for the label. Uh, and I got a lot out of it. It's kind of hard. It, it'd be uh, uh, ungrateful to say, like, I got fucked in that deal. Actually, uh, you know, I, I'd say, you know, when it comes to me, David Geffen got the wrong end of the stick uh, yeah. as far as that goes. So, uh uh, you know, I, I don't see them as inherently evil. Uh, I, I, my eyes kind of roll. I think the eyes of the general public rolls when artists talk about, um, you know, labels or streaming services being inherently evil. I don't think the public Easy should target. care. I, I, I don't think the public does care. I don't think they should care. I, in fact, I've even seen people when they respond to my article, they say, why is this my concern? You know, this is something the label, the artist got to figure out with the labels. And my response to that is on this particular tiny narrow subject, it is your concern because you have a vote 
when you're a listener. And right now your vote doesn't count. So when you vote for uh, Alt-J or uh, uh, Michael, I forget the name of the band you mentioned. Angels on Airwaves. Angels on Airwaves. I'm, I'm trying to give you the multiple opportunities to plug them. Uh, when you vote for Angels on Airwaves, your vote isn't counting. It's actually a vote for somebody you don't really listen to or like. Uh, and that, to me, seems unmusical. And it seems wrong. And it doesn't seem like it's in anybody's interest. And so I'm actually in this really weird position of I don't have any stake in this uh, or not any measurable stake in this. I mean, you know, I, I have like tiny amounts of residual income from my band from 20 years ago. And, you know, frankly, it's not enough to buy a, a dinner in San Francisco once a quarter. So um, I don't really care on a personal level. None of this affects my uh, income or pocketbook. I don't have any businesses that are involved with this. Uh, where I'm coming from, 100%, is strictly from a love of music and the music industry in, at large, and the framework that supports art and music, and I perceive it to be, the way it's currently structured, unhealthy. Now, the big caveat in all this, and what I've been also sort of equally open about, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. The data could actually, uh, you know, because a lot of this data is proprietary. I've, I've tried to dig and, and get at it from a number of different angles, and I've, I've opened up a couple little crevices here and there, but I don't have all the data. And it's possible I'm wrong, and it's possible that what I'm proposing would actually be, uh, would not have the impact that I believe it does, uh, and that it would actually have the opposite impact. I All I can say is, is that... Um, you know, I'm coming from an honest love of the industry and an honest love of, of music. And if that data is later, you know, becomes available and it shows that I'm wrong, then I'll say, you know, I was wrong. Sorry. Uh, and I accept that uh, the current way is, is, uh, is better. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I guess to a certain degree I'm an activist, but I'm not a polemicist. And I'm not uh, somebody that's uh, sitting here arrogantly saying, I've figured it all out. I'm just somebody uh, right. asking. Well, I think it's important to have the debate. I think it's important to talk about these issues. Um, we're going to learn more as we move forward, right? I mean, we're right. going to, it's, it's going to evolve and we're going to learn more. And I just, I appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it because it, it really causes you to think about things a little bit differently than we have in the past. Shark, yeah. Sharky, do you want, I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to plug your websites or anything that you're doing. I don't, right I don't, I don't I'm not here to plug shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. They can figure it out on their own if they're that interested. <laughs> But, I, you know, I think if I, like, start tagging my interests on the ends of these sort of things, then it becomes about that's why I'm doing it, and that's not why I'm I'll, doing I'll it. tell you what I'll, we'll do is we'll put the link in to your article. So people make, make sure you go read the entire article because it goes into a, it, you know, there's a lot of graphs and charts. And it goes into great detail yeah. by all means. That, that's all I want is people to read it and think about it. I don't want it to be about me at all. Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate you writing it. It was a it was a great read, and it really caused me to think about things a little differently. And I, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on our podcast this week. Thanks for having me, guys. Honestly, it was a pleasure. I know you wanted this to be forty five minutes. No, hey, now. but but you know what? That's what's great, great about these because when you get into these great conversations, 
just let it go. Just let right. it go for, I mean, this could have been an, a, a, a seminar you can do on just this topic. So exactly. Well, I'm about to do that in Washington, D.C. in two weeks. So, uh, and, and there I only have 20 minutes. So we'll oh, see man. how that goes. Well, good, <laughs> good luck with that. that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sharky. All right, All right. Sharky. Thanks Bye, so guys. much. Take care. Right. That was a, an interesting, deep discussion. Definitely. It, you know, it went a lot of different directions. Yep. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff to think about a lot, a lot of, of stuff where it's like i'm not 100% in agreement with that but i'm not 100% against it yeah um i yeah, think it's, I, I would think agree with that i think it's a great primer to start discussing are there different better ways to do what's being done out there right now right and his article is called how to make streaming royalties fairer and and we'll provide the link for it. I think everyone should read that, and probably read it a couple of times, uh, because it even if you don't agree with what he's proposing, um, you'll come away with a better understanding of how things work and how things are paid out. What, what, at least to the rights holders. Right yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one one of the big things that I still I still, however something might get changed, it doesn't address. The issue of the rights holder it doesn't that's, doesn't that's you know, a whole other ball game great all of a sudden you're an artist and you get you get a hundred percent of a ten dollar subscription that month and that gets paid to your rights holder what does your rights holder do to that now instead of them making a few cents off of you they're making dollars off of you and at the end of the day they're still going to try and give you pennies Exactly. Your, what, your point is, is well taken. Even if the splits are more fair, even if they've been altered, at the end of the day, that contribution comes to the rights holder. And that is probably the next place we should you know, explore and dig in and see if we can have some more conversations. But all of this is very educational. And I think for anyone, whether you're an artist, manager, distribution, label, I think it is important for us all to ha have a better understanding of this and something we brought up you know on the show was that this is still all new and it is evolving like anything that's new and you know forewarned is forearmed you know right. educate yourself right you know I, I i'm not i'm not blanket opposed to pay-per-click or a buy-click model because to me i feel like that is that's very clear you know exactly how many plays you got. You know exactly what was happening. The issue is how much you get per click. But I'm not opposed to, listen, if you only got two clicks, you should only get paid for two clicks. It, it, it seems awfully odd to me that if I as a fan clicked you once and I paid $10 that month and I didn't click on anybody else, you got $10 for that one play. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a little more open to it than maybe maybe you are. I, I, I'm not saying I know the answer yet. I think the two things that came out of this for me that I think we really need to dig into, one we just mentioned, you know, with the transparency and the labels, but two, equally as important, I think, is someone's got to look into this fraud and, oh, yeah. yes. and attack yep. it in a big way. 
And you and I have talked about playola in the past, and we've talked about ways people game the system. And you are absolutely right. People will always game the system, and it's not you know, exclusive to the music industry. Nope. But every every since, business out there. Yeah, and since this is a new, uh, new technologies, new ways of doing business, it's in its infancy, I just hope that we're watching these little games that are being played and learning from them and setting up safeguards. Because uh, to your point earlier, people are not going to ever stop trying to game the system, but we need to, f you know, plug those big gaping but, holes. But, but with technology, you can, you can shut down what's being gamed. You just have to understand that they will just move to the next way to do it. And that, listen, that's been going on forever. Again, I, I've, I've spent many years in, in the affiliate marketing world, affiliate online, Talk about people wanting to try and game the system. You know, if I can drive all the clicks, all the links through my affiliate channel, I get more percentages. I right. get more signups. I get more memberships. People have been doing it for decades since the sure. very first affiliate program. Sure. Um, the, the, the other part that I wanted a little bit more concrete answer on was the, the freemium users. You know, I, yeah. I, I totally get the whole model of if you pay $10 a month and you watch, and you listen to two artists, those two artists should split it. Uh, okay, I'm not saying I agree completely, but I get it. When you're not paying $10 a month, somebody's got to pay that. And, don't, and I don't buy the, well, the advertisers pay for that. The advertisers are not paying for anything. It's not well, their business. They're just buying... Yeah. They're buying a ad location on yeah, a, a window somewhere. I agree. I agree. I just think money is money. And I think that if it's a contribution coming from clicks, from share of voice, and also if it's coming in from advertising, why shouldn't that be broken up in the exact same That's way? That's my you, point. If it should, it should be paid out the exact same way you're going why to should charge it be the person who's paying this. It's money. Oh, actually, it's it's not so much that it's money; it's a play. It's a fan exactly. listening to your music. It's revenue generated there, by therefore, that activity. Whether I subscribed and you didn't subscribe, the artist shouldn't be penalized because you didn't subscribe. It should be the same payout in both great. models. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a great discussion. I'm I'm glad we had him on. I, I I learned some things. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So let let me just throw out some homework for everybody. Read the article. Give us your thoughts on this. Love Man, to hear. Man, this what you would think, be but... great. Do you think this sort of different model would make sense? Where do you see issues with it? Um, would it change your views of streaming? That that's your homework. I want to hear what you guys really think about about this. Could this could this work? Could it not work? What does do you it, think? Does, does it not change anything? Because at the end of the day, you're still getting paid by your record label. Who, you know, good luck getting the the true accounting. Um, I don't know. Let us know. Tell us what you think. Yeah. So until next week. Thanks everyone. <laughs>